And so uh, we're, we're going to begin a new series today called Real Faith. Real Faith. It's important to understand what faith is, how it functions in our belief, in our, in our, our doctrine, our theology, and in our lives. And what I want to do today is kind of teach you about, we're going to take two, there's kind of two sections to this sermon. I want to teach you about faith, give you a better understanding of faith, and I'm going to talk you through four levels of faith, which I have taught to you before. I think it's kind of a foundational doctrinal message that I feel like the Holy Spirit just said, like, you got to do this again. And so I said, okay, I will do that. And um, I want to thank Pastor Perry. He helped me uh, this week. We were sitting there trying to find some scriptures and things together and um, it's kind of nice to have a team and not be able to do all this alone, and which, which leads me to one more thing I want to say before we get into the scripture. So if you call True Life home, you know my family was on sabbatical this summer. We took an extended break and, uh, and then came home, and then I only preached twice before Pastor Perry was back up here. And I just want to be real honest with you. I want to kind of confess something and repent before you as a church that um, the Holy Spirit convicted me of, and that was just my my expectations for myself and my pace around preaching and teaching just for not good. Um, if you ever go to another church and you're not here anymore, let me just give you something that will help make the pastor, wherever you end up, love you even more. And it would be for you to have an understanding of how much pressure they feel. Like, I, I feel like every Sunday has to be a home run. Every Sunday feels like the Super Bowl to me. And I ain't Tom Brady. You know what I'm saying? Like, there might be some other guys pastoring churches in our city. They're, they got Tom Brady talent. I'm like, I'm like the ESPN guy that retired earlier, and I'm just giving commentary now. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's, that's my talent level. So I felt this, and, and honestly, the habit that I found myself falling into um, is I was going to the scriptures to find something for all of you and not really going to the scriptures to find something for me. And that's not healthy. It's not good. And so, and then what that means is really all of my time is devoted to preparing messages. There's other things in the church that need my voice that, uh, that I need to be able to put my hands on at times and, and guide and direct and cast vision and all those kinds of things. And I can't do that if I'm just trying to crank out content all the time. And so I, where I'm at right now, what we're going to kind of try is I feel like I feel like the Holy Spirit kind of told me no more than three in a row. So I preached first Wednesday, a couple days ago. I'll preach today. I'll preach next week. And then I think Pastor Perry's up again. And, um, and I'm really thankful for our team, for Perry and Whitney. They sat with me. In fact, we have another meeting scheduled to finish out all of 2023. Because um, that pressure is just not realistic. And we have great people. Pastor Perry's an incredible communicator of God's word and uh, brings a whole different perspective. And a few more years of experience, not many, just a few. And, um, and then Whitney, our next gens and campus director, she's just such a great young communicator who's, who's developing. And part of our job is to fan and to flame those gifts and to give people those opportunities. And I believe we have some people who are like 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old who are coming up through student ministry and college age right now, who there's a communicating gift on their life. Um, and then we got Pastor Joel, who works a full-time secular job, but still has a a communicating gift on his life. And so, can I have your permission to be healthier with my pace? Would you all be okay with that? Is that all right? And Because um, I want to be able to stand here and give you what God's doing in me, 
not just something I thought would be a good message and hopefully people would come back to church the next weekend. And, um, and so that's, that's what I'm going to do. And that's what this is this weekend. Even though it's a teaching we have gone up, kind of gone through before in the past, I think there's a couple fresh little nuggets here and, as we talk about this topic of faith. And next week, I, I'm not 100% sure yet, but I have kind of felt a tug from the Holy Spirit to talk about the kind of the contrast between, uh, there's a buzzword in our society right now, especially evangelical society, around this idea of deconstructing faith which I think uh, in its roots is kind of a healthy, honest thing of people going like, why do I believe what I believe? And that's good. Like, you need to know the Bible. The Bible says, study to show yourself approved. But I, but I think it has kind of become like a trendy thing to kind of, and what happens is a lot of people never actually do the work. And it's not about understanding what you believe. It's about finding a, forgive me for saying this, it's about finding a lazy excuse to go live the way you wanted to live all along because you wanted your flesh to be in control. Um, and I know that's terribly offensive to those of you who might be going through that right now, but I'm just trying to caution you that the enemy would love to do that. That's what he would love the result of this to be. And so I've kind of felt like maybe a tug to talk about the difference between deconstructing and what the Bible actually says. And I can't find deconstruction in scripture. I can only find God building faith. I can only find God constructing our faith. Can I get an amen this morning? All right, so I don't know yet. I'm still working that out, but that might be where we end up next week. So let's start today with probably the most well-known passage in your Bible on the topic of faith, Hebrews 11.1. Here's your homework this week. If you've never read Hebrews chapter 11, go read it. It's called the Hall of Fame of Faith. And it begins by saying, faith shows the what? Reality. So this isn't made up stuff. It's not make-believe. It's not a fairy tale. It's the reality of the things that we're hoping for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. I'll just give you one example from my life. It took my wife and I several years to have children. We believe God wanted us to have a family, but there were some medical complications, and both of my kids are living, breathing, active miracles. And so for a while, I had vision of a family. I had vision of a reality that I had not yet experienced, and I was hoping for it. And thank you, Jesus, for delivering on the promise. Amen? It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Can't see it. Through their what? Everybody say it. Faith. Faith, The people in the days of old earned a good reputation. I would like to have a good reputation. How about you? Right? So faith can lead us there. I would love to live in a moment, like a cultural moment, where Christians stop trying to prove to society that we're right. And we stop trying to attach faith to all of our uh, political preferences. Can I go there? And we just live by faith. Like just faith. Just, do you realize if you actually live by faith and then God showed up in power the way he's capable of showing up, that would be all it would take to convince everyone in your circle of influence of who God is. You'd never, amen, that's right. You, you would never have to convince anybody. You'd never have to convince anybody if we were to be people who live by faith. Let me show you something else. So, so faith, it's this, it's this, the, the most common way you've heard it is the evidence of things hoped for, the, I'm sorry, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Here, here's another one, Galatians chapter two, verse eight. For by, everybody say this word, grace, you have been what? Saved. Okay, so what does that mean? It means that you are not capable just as Paul says later in this passage, you're not capable of earning your salvation. 
If you had to earn your own salvation, then you'd have to die on your own cross, which figuratively we do have to bear crosses. But you are never going to be responsible for the penalty of sin on your life because Jesus Christ came once. He was the perfect sacrifice. All the sin of humanity and the punishment that was due for that was executed on him once and for all, for all of time, past, present, future, when Jesus gave his life for us on the cross. Aren't you thankful that he did that? And it wasn't because you earned it or deserved it. It was an act of grace. It was a gift. You've been saved So it's by grace that you have been saved through what? Faith. So your salvation needs two components to unlock. You need to understand that Jesus did it and you can't add to it. And then by faith, you have to believe that he did it and you can't add to it. Does that make sense? All right. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 11. Another one, a little further down, Hebrews 11, 5 and 6. It was by what? Yeah, come on, you all are getting it. All right, here we go. That Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. Y'all, I wish, I wish there were smartphones back then. Can you imagine somebody being like, hold, hold up, Enoch's flying. We got to get this. This is going to go viral. There he go. There he, he gone. I just... That'd be so awesome. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who did what? Please God. How many of y'all would like to please God? Yeah, I would too. And it is impossible, he says, to please God without what? Faith. So it's it's, we need to understand faith has, it has to do with these things that we're hoping and believing for but we can't see yet. It's critical to our salvation and it's a key component to living a life that pleases God. Like you're not gonna be able to do it without faith. I like to say it this way. No matter how much you read, no matter how much you learn, no matter how smart you think you are, no matter how much scripture you memorize or how many church services you attend, you will eventually come to a bridge that can only be crossed with faith can only be crossed with faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must what? Come on, y'all. Must what? Believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So I want to teach you four levels of faith. I'll try to do it quickly. And then I want to show you one passage of scripture that shows you all four in just one Bible story. Now, these exist all throughout your Bible, but I'll just give you one Bible story that that reveals all four of these uh, in in the one story. All right, here's... Here's level one of faith, all right? So like, you're, you're sitting down, you got your video game controller, Super Mario, all right? Level one for faith, and that is this, it's to believe that God is. Everybody say, God is. God is. Another way you could say this would be that I believe God did. Like, he did create everything. He has been working on the, on the earth before today. He, he did create a flood. He, he did send the Israelites across the Red Sea on, on dry land. He, he did, he has. The walls of Jericho did come down. The first level of faith is simply to believe that God is real, that he exists. It's acknowledging and believing in the existence of God. And if you want to please God, you gotta start here. Faith required. So you you can't be like, God, I don't really think you're real. 
But if you could help me out with this Powerball ticket. No, no, no. It's faith comes, faith comes first, right? All right, so, so let me just say this. For me, believing there's a designer behind the design is easier to reconcile than the idea that everything just randomly happened. For me, for me, that it just it just makes more sense, and I'm fascinated. A lot of people get really weirded out with science. A lot of religious people get weirded out by science, especially when it seems like scientists are discovering things that conflict with what we read in the Word of God. I never get worried about that. I get excited because. Science is not meant to be absolute. It's supposed to be an ongoing discovery of what is real and true. So when scientists discover something that they think conflicts with God's word, I just think, oh, they just haven't finished discovering yet. Right? Which is why there's, uh, just from this James Webb telescope, there's all kinds of things that have been accepted as fact, even though they were always written as theory, that are now in question. And I just think that's really fun. That's really cool because God is faithful to continue to reveal himself to humanity. It's pretty awesome. So you, we don't need to worry about things like that. The, the first level of faith is, is, is just me believing that God is, that he's real. In fact, um, I wanna tell you in October, if you've taken kind of this first step of like, hey God, I believe you're out there. <laughs> and I think I'd like to have a relationship with you. There's an outward act of this first level of faith that we'll have You'll, an opportunity for you to participate in in six or seven weeks. I don't remember the exact date. But that's what water baptism is. It's an outward expression of this recognition inside my heart. Man, God is the real deal. He's, he's, he's alive. He's real. So everybody say it one more time. God is? All right, here's the second level of your faith, and that is to believe that God can. God can. So let me just tell you this morning, I've no hesitation whatsoever to stand in front of you and say, I believe with all of my heart God can heal people. God can save people. God can provide for his people. I do not just believe in his existence. I believe he has the power and ability to influence this world and this life right now. So the second level of my faith is not just he's out there, it's to believe he can do stuff. God is, God can. Everybody say God can. God can. God, can. God is, God can. Third level of faith is when I start believing God will. Not only can he, but I believe he's gonna. Not only can he reach someone who I love, who's far from him and turn their hearts towards him, by faith I believe he will. Not only can he chase sickness out of somebody's body, I believe he 
will chase sickness out of somebody's body. Not only can he rewire my mind to think clearly, not only can he move anxiety and depression out of my narrative, I believe he, he will. Some of you are like, I don't know if I can say that. And that's awesome that you're there. That's what today is for, to help you have a recognition. Oh, I'm like, I'm a level two faith person. Okay, God help me get to level three. No shame in whatever level you're on, amen? But I believe God will. I still remember a service in this room. We used to have these uh, services we called encounter nights, and it was just worship. It was like worship nights, and then we would sometime have prayer. And I had this, I just felt like the Holy Spirit was kind of whispering something to me. And so we got up on a, I got up on the platform in the middle of one of these encounter nights, and I just said, hey, I've, I think like somebody's here, and you got a bad report from a doctor this week. And God just wants you to know he's already taken care of it. And this lady came up a few days later. I don't remember exactly how. It was like within a week or two. She came up to me. She said, hey, do you remember encounter night? You said somebody got a bad report from a doctor. I said, yeah. She said, I had just come to encounter from the doctor. They told me I had cancer. I said, oh, man. Let's be praying. Let's believing. She said, you don't need to. I went back a couple weeks later for the follow-up. My doctors are really confused because what they thought was in me is not in me. Come on, y'all. God is, God can, God will. He will. He He does stuff. Like, he does this stuff. It's awesome. I'm asking him to do it in me right now, and I'm trusting him. And this is where we begin to make God, this level of faith, this third level is important because this is where we begin to make faith-based decisions in our life. This is where we begin to take action. Not only can he intervene, not only can he heal, not only can he bless, not only can he restore, not only can he comfort, not only can he guide me, but I believe he will. He will. God is, God can, God will. Everybody say God will. All right, then there's a fourth level of faith, and I'm just going to tell you this will be the hardest for you. But kind of the pinnacle of maturity as a person of faith is to, to, so you're a person, I believe in God, I believe he's real, I believe he can do whatever he wants, I believe he will intervene on my behalf. But the highest level of faith is when you believe and trust God, even if he doesn't do what you're asking him to do. The highest level of faith is to say, I am believing God to intervene on my behalf. I'm believing God for a miracle. But my faith is not dependent on his response to my prayer. I will trust him. I will live for him, I will serve him, I will worship him. I will commune with him, I will witness on his behalf, I will disciple, I will live out my calling, even if he doesn't do what I was hoping he would do. It's the highest level of faith there is. And it's hard, isn't it? It's hard. Jesus, uses, Jesus says what, what this kind of faith is is what he actually calls a childlike faith. 
childlike faith. I got two kids. My daughter's 14. My son is nine. My, my son is just like he's creeping up on that age where childlike faith is going to, it's, it's going to, you know, like we're going to have to have conversations about Santa Claus and, you know, like all that, like we're, we're hitting that, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause there's childlike faith is going to, it's going to disappear. And, but I love childlike faith. Childlike faith at the swimming pool, you say, jump, daddy will catch you. And like, they don't even think about it. And my 14-year-old, if I'm like, jump, she's like, Pfft. no. I mean, she's got all these faces. I'm jumping. My friends are here. Weirdo. But when it comes to God, this is the highest level of faith. And let me say this to you. You really only have two options when it comes to faith. You either have childlike faith or you have childish faith. Childlike faith says, trust your dad no matter what. Childish faith says, you didn't answer that prayer the way I thought you would. I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. I'm out. Childish faith gets bitter when God doesn't answer our prayers according to our own will. Y'all tracking? Yeah. So I'm trying to, I want to help you today. I want, to grow, I want you to grow in your faith because the world doesn't need churches full of childish faith. The world needs believers who have childlike faith. We trust and follow our God even if his ways don't always make sense in our human minds. And let me just help you, uh, uh, especially on just this one topic, let me help you on the topic of healing. Healing. And let me make a statement to you that when I first say it, it might be controversial, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain it to you in a second. If you are a follower of Jesus, healing is a 100% guarantee. Say amen. Even though I know you don't know, some of you are like, no, it's not. No, it's not. Because some of you lost people or you're living with a chronic illness, or your mental health's not where you hoped it would be. And I'm just telling you, yes it is. Healing is a 100% guarantee to those of us who follow Jesus. The problem we have is we kinda limit that, the, de the, the delivery of that healing gift, we kinda have our own minds set on how that should happen, and God's like, no, I actually have multiple ways I accomplish that. So let me just help you with it. You won't like it, but it's how God works. The first way that God heals is through miracles. Everybody say miracles. And miracles, this is the most fun way. Yeah? Like this is, all, this is, this is fun. When Jesus is walking around like, oh, you can't see? How about now? <laughs> Like, nobody cares how gross that is because the blind dude can see, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, we like, when the, we like the miracle option for healing, amen? And God still does miracles. In fact, I've asked the prayer team today to specifically be ready to pray for healing and miracles in your lives when service concludes. If you have something going on in your body 
or your mind, or you're praying for a loved one who has something, or a friend who has something going on in their body or mind, I want you to come at the end of service and, and find somebody at the front of the room and just share that need so we can agree with you and pray. We're going to believe for the miracle, and God's going to show up and do miracles. Amen? Come on, y'all. Amen? All right. But that's not the only way he brings healing. Another way he brings healing is medicine. And I don't know about you, but I'm really glad I live in 2022 and not 1901. Like, I, 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 had, to, I had to get my head right, so I'm laying in, the, in this room, you know, there's all these machines and stuff, and like, they're taking pictures of my, my leg, and I just thought, oh God, thank you. That this machine exists. Like a hundred years ago, this machine didn't exist. This wouldn't even be an option. Nobody would have known how to deal with this. Nobody would have known anything was even potentially there. I'm praying it's not there, but you know, now we'll have proof if it's not. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I just, we are so fortunate, you guys. And we get so hung up on the miracle version of healing that we never show gratitude to God when it's the medicine version of healing. Uh, in 2017, they told me, hey, your gallbladder has some polyps, and um, you don't want those, because if you have gallbladder cancer, like, by the time we find it, it's too late. I was like, okay. So they said, we should take it out. I said, you can have it. <laughs> right? Turned out I didn't have polyps. They were little stones on the ultrasound, which also are dangerous, so it's still good that they took it. But can I just tell you, I believed for the miracle. I kept trusting God for the miracle. Up until the point that the anesthesiologist said, you might start to feel a little funny. And I went, okay. <laughs> and at that point, I believed God was gonna use medicine. Y'all with me? And so I'm so thankful for doctors and surgeons and technicians and nurses. Thank you all for the countless hours of school and student loans that you've had to bear so that you can go understand how these beautiful, wonderful bodies that God created work so that he could use you to bring healing to us. From and some of you don't even believe in him, but that's okay. He's still using you to bring healing to our bodies. And I'm so grateful for each and every one of you. I will show gratitude, but I need you to know I will never give glory to anybody but my God. It's my God, it's my God, he's the one. And then the third option is the one none of us really want in this life. And that is for some he brings healing through heaven. You're 100% guaranteed to be made whole. Sometimes it's miracles, sometimes it's medicine. For all of us eventually, we'll be made whole in heaven. The problem is our hearts get so broken because we are so attached to this world. We haven't spent enough time teaching you, training you, getting you excited. Like this life isn't it. We're supposed to be prepping you for the life, the age that is to come, the Bible says. That's the life. 
And so that's why Jesus says, don't, don't let your hearts get troubled. In this, in this world, in this life, you're going to have problems. <laughs> Anybody else ever read that and be like, thanks, Jesus, that's real encouraging. He says, but take heart because I've overcome the world. And one day, you're going to see it when we get together in heaven. Amen? Amen. The man I grew up calling my dad, he's, he's in heaven. Even though it's not what I wanted, I remember standing in the hospital with my mom, praying for my stepfather, God, please know, please, 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 please do a miracle. Please let these wonderful doctors find something they can do. Please, God. And it didn't happen. And it was heartbreaking. And even the thought today of my mother being in a house by herself instead of with him makes my heart ache. But I'm grateful because I know we will be reunited one day in the presence of our Heavenly Father with Jesus seated on the throne, we're all gonna have our healing in heaven. Amen? Aren't you thankful for that? Okay, so let me show you uh, all four levels of faith in one story, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up in just a second. All right. You all familiar with the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? How many, raise your hand if you've heard that one before. Okay. When I was a little kid, I didn't know how to pronounce it. I thought it was Shadrach, Meshach, and to bed we go. So I used to ask for it as a bedtime story. I'd be like, tell me the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and to bed we go. It's not, it's not his name. It's a bendigo. Here's some backstory. This is in the book of Daniel. You can read this story. Awesome book to read, by the way. Um, there's this guy named King Nebuchadnezzar, and he actually loves these three guys. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He loves them. And um, God has used them in a pretty incredible way. But there's some people on King Nebuchadnezzar's team who hate them. They don't like all the attention and the favor they're getting, and they really hate because they're Hebrew. And so they come up with this plan. They go to the king and they say, hey, we should build this image, a golden statue of you, king, and then we'll make a law that says everybody has to bow down and worship it, and if you don't, you get thrown into a fiery furnace and you burn to death. Seems a little extreme, but that's what they did. And King Nebuchadnezzar's like, yeah. I like that. So they build the statue. It's all a trap. All of it is a trap for these three guys. And of course, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they say, we, hey, we can't. We don't bow down to anybody but our God. We're men of faith. Amen? We don't bow our knee to anything, which, by the way, I think is a beautiful parallel to the kind of the world we live in right now. Nobody has built a golden image in front of nobody. There's no statues anybody's telling you to bow down to, but there's a whole lot of societal and cultural images that you're being told bow down, celebrate, empower, get behind, or else you're awful, you're, you're hateful, you're a bigot, you don't belong here, you should be punished, you should be canceled. And I just want to encourage you today, don't be people of fear, be people of faith. Be people who, who don't have to be mean, don't have to be hateful. You can be kind, you can be gracious, and you can say, oh, king, we, we, we're not going to defend ourselves in front of you. The king was actually heartbroken because he's telling them, you guys, I, 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 there's nothing I can do. I made this law. I can't go back on it now. I got to throw you in the furnace. 
And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are like, it's cool, king. We understand. <laughs> How gracious is that? Do what you got to do, king. They said, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, here it is. The God. What is that? God is. He exists. Whom we serve is what? God can to save us and he will rescue us from your power, your majesty. And then fourth level. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't answer our prayer the way we'd hoping he would, even if we go into that furnace and we never come out, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. God is, God can, God will. And even if he doesn't, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to live my life for him. Carlos, come on out. So let me just give you three things real quick. How do you, some of you today, you came in and you're like, all right, I believe God is, but I'm not sure I believe God can. Or maybe you're, God can, but you're not, you're not really sure God will. Or maybe you got the first three, but you're like, I don't know if I can do the whole, like, even if he doesn't think. So, but, but you feel the tension around, like, but I want my faith to grow. How do I get my faith to grow? How do I progress from the level I'm at to the level God wants, to be, wants me to be? How do I mature in my faith? And so just real quick, three things. Faith is grown by, uh, and there's probably more than this, but there's three I'll give you today. Number one, your faith grows by what you hear. Y'all know it's, it's very important that you protect what goes in here. Very important. So like today, your faith should be growing because you brought yourself to a place where you could hear somebody teach the Bible, hopefully adequately, <laughs> where somebody, could, where somebody could, could encourage you in the faith. So what you hear is important. It's important that you keep putting yourself in environments where you get healthy preaching, teaching. Our small group semester begins today. You need to be in a group. And that group needs to be people who speak words of faith into your life, who encourage you to trust God and obey God and follow. In fact, you need to be people who, with people who love you enough, they'll even call you out when you're not. Like, like hey man, I, had a, I said this to a friend a couple years ago now. I think it was about two years ago. I was like, dude, you're really terrible at talking to your wife. You don't do words very well. Now, there's a whole bunch of stuff I don't do well, but I do words. So next time you're about to say something to your wife, zip it and call me. We're going to check it against the Bible. We're going to pray, and we're going to work together to make sure you don't say something stupid. And guess what? It worked. It worked. Things got better. God showed up. Come on, y'all. What you hear is important. 
the voices that you are allowing to have influence in your life are so incredibly important. So, I, like, I, I just, I have, I have personally never felt like my faith leveled up when CNN was on the TV. I know I offended all the, the liberals first. I've also never felt my faith level up when Fox News is on the TV. Are we even now? <laughs> or Blaze for all two of you. Or MSNBC. Or any, any, I, I've chosen now to be careful what voices get access to these ears. Because I want my faith growing, 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 growing. So I want to give you permission. If you find yourself with friends who are negative all the time, you need new friends. You need to change your circle. But I don't want to be mean. Just get over it. God will send them to somebody else who can straighten them out. It's not your responsibility. You just get yourself in a healthy circle of friends. Amen? And then as God grows your faith, you need to understand the value of your story. It's important that somebody else hears your story. Because there's somebody out there whose God is, God is wanting to grow their faith, and all they need is to hear your story. They need to hear it. Our faith is developed through what we hear. So be careful. Be careful with the influences. Don't let pessimistic people have access to your life and your heart. Romans 10, 17, I just want to prove this to you. It's in the Bible. So faith comes from what? Hearing. That is hearing what? The good news about Christ. Faith grows when we hear God-honoring things. And then the next one is our faith can grow by what we see. And I know some of the, the Bible memorizers out there are like, no, the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. It does, you're right. But I can also, I'm gonna show you actually two specific instances in the Bible where God allowed a person's faith to grow because of what he let them see. So that, that scripture's referring to a lifestyle, like hey, don't be a person who always needs to see things to walk by faith. It doesn't mean God won't use things that you see to spark and encourage your faith, amen? Like, I'm encouraged every time I come to church. There's people here. And coffee was made, and musicians are playing, and greeters are at the door, and the lights are on, and the screens are working, and the, that beautiful, amazing group of people, that army of blue t-shirts who serve the next generation week after week, which by the way, if you're trying to figure out how to get your faith to grow, Put on a shirt and go invest in a kid. That's one of the greatest environments that you'll ever be in to see God doing something special in the next generation and to know that you had a hand in that. Our faith grows by what we see. Every time I see God do incredible things, watch this. John 20, verse 8 and 9, Peter and John are running to the tomb because the ladies have just come back to say, Jesus isn't in there. We think he might be risen from the dead. 
And I love the way John writes, he's hilarious. Just like a verse before this, he was like, Peter and the other disciple, you guys know who the other disciple is? It's John. He's like, Peter and the other disciple were running to the tomb, but the other disciple outran him. And then he's like, then the disciple who had reached the tomb first, John, because he's faster, also went in and he what? Come on, say it. Saw and... The, the, the Greek here, Perry and I were looking at this the other day. He, he found it. It literally means he stood there and studied visually until understanding came. So like John gets to the tomb and he just goes. He, he's alive. He's alive, he's alive. Jesus isn't dead, he's alive. He's alive, he's, can you imagine? As you see that and all of a sudden it, it all begins to make sense. In fact, it says, for until then they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. It took seeing for this revelation to take place. Same chapter, a few verses later. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. And they told him, we've seen the Lord, but he replied, hmm, y'all are crazy. I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. I hate that he got nicknamed Doubting Thomas because of this, because I think Thomas represents most of us more accurately than any of these other guys. He's just like, I need to see it, you guys. I need to see Jesus. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked. Key detail. They're in a room. The doors are locked. Jesus is not in the room. Then suddenly Jesus is in the room. He's walking through walls now, y'all. Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. You know why he had to say that, right? Because if we were all in a room and the doors were locked and all of a sudden somebody who wasn't there was standing there, we'd all be like, ah! In fact, I bet he had to say it more than once. I bet they were like, ah! And he's like, peace be with you, peace be with you, peace, God, peace, peace, peace. Guys, it's me, it's me, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And they're like, And then he says to Thomas, come here, man, touch it, touch it, see it, you see, don't, don't be faithless any longer, I want you to believe, man, I want you to believe, what a beautiful picture of Jesus. You need to see it, I'll let you see it. Here's the last one. Faith comes by, grows through what we hear, grows through what we see. Your faith also develops, whoop, 
is happening. Here it is. Through what we do. What we do. Did I skip one? Oh, that's what I did. There's four of these. I'm sorry. Your faith develops also by what you say. Some of you are like, oh no, there's another one. Here, we'll go quick. Then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can to this mountain, maybe lift it up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. You must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your hearts. Okay, sorry, here's the last one now. Your faith also develops through what you do. What we hear, what we see, what we say, and what we do. You, it was an act of faith for you to come to church today. You believed that the doors would be unlocked, that you'd be able to find a parking space and somebody would be here to watch your kids if you have kids. And if I could be so bold today, True Life, I, this is the one that I think I speak for every pastor in America when I say we could use a few more doers. I saw a survey this week, continues to blow my mind, and the number gets worse every year. Something over 80% of people who say, I am a Christian, I follow Jesus, also said, but I do not share my faith outside of church. Like y'all, you got the hope of the world locked up inside of you and you're just gonna keep it to yourself? What are we doing? We've become so gripped by the fear of rejection or... And I just need you to know there's a component of following Jesus that like, re like rejection's kind of part of the deal. Jesus sent the disciples out and he, he said, hey, if they hate you, remember they hated me first. Like they killed me. But it's okay, just go do what I'm asking you to do. I got it. And, and James encourages us, he says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith, can it save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, see ya, have a good day, praying for you, stay warm and eat well, but you don't give that person any food or clothing. What, what good does it do? So I'm calling you right now. I'm calling you right now. It's September. I'm giving you so much notice. December's coming. Christmas shop. We get to serve families. Why? Because we want to put skin on our faith, y'all. We want it to do something. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough, James says. Unless it produces good deeds, it's dead and it's useless. Now, some may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds, which is like, we hear that all the time as church leaders. They're like, people are like, yeah, you know, I, I'm not really a tither, but I'll volunteer. Or like, you know, I'll, I, I attend church, I read my Bible, but I think that's enough. I don't, I probably don't need to do anything else. Well, I'm just, I'm just telling you, you're like, you're so wrong. And I didn't say it, so don't be mad at me. James said it. It was James's idea. I'm just repeating James. James says, how can you show me your faith if you don't have any, like if you don't do anything with it? He says, I'm gonna show you my faith 
by my good deeds. Now, you say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. This is like a total mic drop by James right here. He says, even the demons believe in God. You wanna, like, James is like, you believe in God, do you? You want a cookie? You want a participation trophy? Even the demons believe that, and they tremble in fear. How foolish, he says. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? And I'm not calling you to a life of works. We're not saved by works. But our salvation should lead to good works. We don't change from the outside in, but we change from the inside out. And James just said, if you're like, I believe in God, but I'm not really gonna do anything. James just like equated you with a demon. I didn't, don't be mad at me. Don't be on your connection card like, I am not a demon. <laughs> James. One more scripture for you. I'm sorry, two more scriptures for you. Why don't, why don't you stand to your feet as we read this? I don't know about you, but I want my faith to grow. I want my faith to grow. And maybe you find yourself today in a situation a lot like this guy in Matthew chapter nine. His little boy is dealing with some terrible things. There's a demon tormenting him. He's under spiritual attack. And he comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, can you help me? And Jesus responds, how, how long has it been happening? And he replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire, into water, and tries to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us. <laughs> Jesus, help us if you can. And it's not in your Bible, but I'm pretty sure Jesus went, <laughs> if I can? Bro. Did you like hear, did you hear about the loaves and fishes? Did you see the nets my disciples pulled up out of the water? Have you seen all these people that had leprosy and now they don't? Did you see the dude with the mud in his eyes? If I can? What do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Everybody say the next word. Come on, say it again. Anything is possible if a person believes. And then the best part of the story, I think, the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but I don't. But I do. But I don't. But I do. Help me. Isn't that so? Do you feel the humanity in that moment? You ever been there? You're like, Jesus, I know you can. Right? Are you gonna? Help, Jesus, help me. Help me overcome. I'm scared. I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know how this is gonna go. I, but at the same time, I, I'm, I'm a faith. I know you're able. I know you're capable. Uh, God, I need you to show up. And Jesus, can you just help me overcome? My unbelief. 
And I think he's gonna do that for some of you today. In a second, I'm gonna give people an opportunity to respond to Jesus, the salvation message of Jesus. Then Pastor Perry's gonna dismiss us and I know some of you gotta go. So don't feel like you have to stay in here, okay? You are more than welcome to leave. It's totally fine. But if you need a miracle or healing, our prayer team is going to be available at the front. And as the worship team leads us in a couple minutes, we're going to pray. We're going to believe. Because Paul said, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power to work within us to accomplish infinitely how much? And I'm with you. I've been there. Like, God, I don't know. Are you going to, like, are you going to do this miracle, God? And I just, I just want to encourage you. He's capable of infinitely more. The thing that feels so big to you is barely a blip on God's radar. It matters to his heart because it matters to you. But in terms of his power and his capability, it's nothing. He can do infinitely more than we might ask or think. Bow your heads and close your eyes. And in Jesus' name today, people are going to be set free from depression. People are going to be set free from self-harm. People who are battling mental illness are going to receive mental healing. Anxiety is going to leave in Jesus' name. Cancer is going to leave in Jesus' name. Arthritis is going to leave in Jesus' name. COVID-19 is going to leave in Jesus' name. Head colds and flu are going to leave in Jesus' name. Shingles and lupus and leukemia. Sore backs, sore shoulders, sore knees are going to be put back the way that our God designed them in Jesus' name. And I claim it for myself, God, until I'm laying on a table and they tell me you're about to get sleepy. This leg and this hip are healed in Jesus' name. By your stripes, we are healed. We receive it today. We receive it. Keep your eyes closed. I want to talk to those of you today who need to take the first step of faith to put your hope in God for the first time ever. You you need to take that step and say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you're real, and I want to surrender my life to you. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're watching online, we can't see you, but participate anyway. God sees you. If you'd say, Michael, that's me. Today I need to take that first step of faith and surrender my life to Jesus. Just wave your hand at me real quick. Just want to know that you're in the room. I'm not going to call you to the front or anything. Just wave it at me. Say, hey, man, I need Jesus. Anybody? Just real quick. I'm just going to wait another second. Okay. If you're watching online at home, I, I, didn't, I didn't see any hands in here. If you raised it and I didn't see it, I'm so sorry. I'm not trying to overlook you. I'm going to give you the prayer anyway. And if you're watching online at home and you're need to make Jesus Lord of your life today, I want you to pray this prayer right now. Just say, Jesus, today I surrender my life to you. I believe you're real. And I believe you went to the cross and you paid a price for my sin and mistakes so that I wouldn't have to. And today, 
I receive the free gift of salvation. From now on, heaven is my home. I receive it. I believe after you died for me, three days later, you rose from the dead. And the same power that brought you out of the grave is now coming to life in me. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed. One last, let me pray a prayer blessing and Pastor Perry's gonna give you some instruction. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each and every person in this room. Lord, have your way. Grow our faith today. From God is, to God can, to God will, to even if he doesn't. And I pray for each and every person today who needs a miracle, that you would show yourself faithful to us and we thank you for it in Jesus' name.